Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. There'd be a lot of poop in my hands. I've <laughs> <laughs> seen a six-foot alligator go swinging through the air and slam into a tree. These guys are the scientists of the supernatural. Lecturers leaving lessons for inquiring laymen. They are applying the scientific method to a world that baffles science. They are the cryptids of the corn. But who else has big black wings and red eyes? Um, Batman. Oh, Mothman. Oh, yeah, Mothman. A great white shark was stolen. Oh, someone stole a shark? I got stuff for you you don't even know about. She's a witch. She turned me into a newt. Who knows? Anything could be possible. Anything could be possible. It's really big. Mm-hmm. Abduction vibes. Holy moly. It sounds like you were abducted. And it just stood up. I mean, it just like kept going and going. And she goes, what the? Great and powerful mystery. And I am the infamous Jay, and I suppose the nuclear powered Jay. The nuclear powered Jay. I like it. And I suppose we all did feel that way in some sorts. Oh gosh, we'll get back to that day. Uh, but today, this topic is about demon the demon core, the nuclear explosions, and what they meant for the world of the paranormal. Mm. I have a lot in the back end to kind of connect it. We have a lot of history to get through first. You got a lot on your back end? Yeah. I mean, always. I <laughs> wish. My <laughs> pants wouldn't fall down as much. Uh, let's rush through the front of house stuff as <clears> always. <throat> uh, Paranormal Lady Magazine. We're affiliates. If you use the code Corn Crew, we get some kickback if you buy anything from the magazine. Corn Crew. Corn Crew. YouTube. Uh, get on our YouTube. Get subscribed. The Launcher Documentary Series is getting ready to come out soon this month. The first episode will be out. Get ready for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. The voicemail box, we have a voicemail box link in the below. If you want to share your encounter through the voicemail, we uh, greatly appreciate it. You should hear the first one later this week that we have it used. Uh, also, if you just want to say hi or shout out the show or whatever, we may even sprinkle those in here and there. Yeah. Anything you want to use, use the voice out thing. Just We're paying us, for it, so use it. Yeah, if you just want to send us a message. Please do. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. P.O. Box. 
So if you want to share oh. like any art, if you want to share yeah. any postcards, like we get a lot of postcards now, which is awesome. People Post travel around and postcards, art, letters, any of it. trinkets. Please send it. Uh, it's a P.O. Box. That would be P.O. Box number 75 in Ada, Ohio, 45810. Just no uh, anthrax, please. I prefer not that. That's why Jay opens all the boxes. Mm. Merch. Uh, we have our merch website fully up and running. There's all kinds of cool stuff. Lunch boxes, golden dark cups, speaker cups, speaker cups, speaker cups. All of our t-shirts, obviously, but and all kinds of cool like limited edition t-shirts, all that fun stuff. So and that's at cryptocorn.com. Yep. Click on the shop tab and then click the green shop button and you'll go to the store. Conferences. We just got over the Hocking Hills Bigfoot uh, Festival. That was a ball. It was so much fun. We're recording this beforehand, so. Highly recommend it. Oh, yeah. Uh, B Mills is the one that runs it, and B is a great lady. Uh, Bigfooter of the Year of 2019, I believe. Dang. I, you know how crazy it is to get that? Because that's the whole U.S. Wow. So, good job, B. Yeah. B's a, B's a workhorse. Yeah, she is. B's awesome. Uh, next week, or the week after next week, uh, whatever, the 26th of August. Squonkapalooza. Squonkapalooza in? Johnstown, Ohio. Johnstown, Ohio. We got it right this time. Ohio? Ah, I didn't say screw it up. Johnstown, Pennsylvania. I was like, yeah, I Dang even it. went right with you. I was just following it. Yeah. Oh, I almost got it. No, yeah, get ready to hang out with us there. It's going to be so much fun. And once again, we have Freudian Airwaves here in Ada, Ohio, with all of the big podcast mega show. Three days of fun, 50 buck ticket. Gets you everything but food and drink. It's a cash bar. If you're going to book a hotel, use the LinkedIn tree. Uh, you get the special rate, but that goes away September 6th. So make sure you get your hotel room booked. Yeah, so once again, 40 in Airwaves. Find all the information on our Facebook page or on all any of our socials. Come check it out. If you'd like to come see us, that'd be the perfect opportunity. Yep, and if you're coming to a conference, let us know. We always like to learn everybody's faces and names beforehand. Uh, and if you guys were at the Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Conference, I know this is like weeks after, but it's like a, the weekend after for us. Uh, if you guys were at that and weren't, apparently we didn't get to go this year. Uh, it was just too soon after me having the baby and everything. Well, my wife having the baby, us <laughs> gaining a baby. Uh, it was just too soon for us to travel that far and do a whole conference, everything like that. Apparently, there was a ton of our shirts there. You guys were supporting like crazy. That's awesome. So thank you guys so much. It means a lot to getting all these messages from people like, hey, we've seen your shirts. Hey, and then I, we're, you know, we're friends with Tony Merkel and stuff like that. And I seen pictures with Tony and the people wearing our shirts with Tony and yeah. stuff like that. It just makes you feel a warm and fuzzy it, inside. It's crazy. So we just wanted to thank you guys for supporting us in any yes. way because that's like a walking billboard for us. Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, so thank you. If you guys want to contact us for anything, the email is the best way to do that. And it's cryptosthecornpodcast at gmail.com. All right. You ready for some new reviews? Yes. These are all Spotify this week. So flip flop. Uh, from CFC. Love the season finales. Great show, guys. Can't wait for season four. Well, hopefully you liked it last week. I was a little, I don't I don't feel the best about it, but I never do. Never. And every episode stinks to you. Yeah. Or you're unsure of. I just, I'm like, I mean, I wish I could have done it better. Yeah, thank but you. It, thank you for the comment, though. CFC, thank you. Uh, Michael, B Betty Hell? Betty Hill? Oh, Betty Hill. Yes. Uh, thinking of... Uh, I think I'm canceling my upcoming vacation into the Bahamas after listening to this one. He's talking about the season finale. <laughs> oh, you'll be fine. Probably. Probably, yeah. John R. Carter. Two random ideas. One, emotional support cryptids. Two, oh. stat or stratch quatch. That's all. What is it? Statch quatch. How do you spell it? Let me see it. S-T-A-C-H-E-S-Q-U-H. Stash squatch, like a mustache. Mm. I don't remember what episode that was on. I should have put it down. 
Stash Squatch. Tom says, love this episode and the topics. Can't wait for more. Crips of the Corn is my absolute favorite podcast. I listen to pretty much daily while I'm at work. Oh, Just, thank you. Justin and Jay are amazing hosts. Hilarious and informative. Well, thank you, Tom. I that appreciate means a it. lot. Yeah. Now. Just comes natural. Yeah, sure. We're professional podcasters. That's just what we do. The little tadpole. So uh, they have commented several other times before. Uh, what about koalas? For Aussies here, please tell us what happened with the koalas. So they're talking about, this was on the uh, the Monsters in the Marsh, the shoe bill episode. Okay. Little tadpole, you'll have to put on another episode what you're talking about because I don't remember. Yeah, with the koalas. I don't understand. Maybe it was in that episode. Keep in mind for us, that was probably like a month and a half ago. Yeah. So, so just, yeah, shoot, shoot us an email. Shoot or something. us a refresher yeah. and we'll happily talk about it. Yep. Uh, Kay says, I listened to these guys first, the interview on Strange Roads and came over here. Now I'm hooked. My ADA brain loves the way they, uh, the information is delivered and the stories you are told. You guys rock. Well, thank you, Kay. Like Asian Kay. Mm. All right. So I promise, guys, you got to hang in there. But we will get to the paranormal side of this stuff. But first, I want to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about the Demon Core. Yeah. So the Demon Core is a pretty, I'm going to say, cool thing in the way that it is a very amazing thing that was built. But it did earn its name. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It's interesting, that's to say the least. The Demon Core. Uh, I guess, before I continue on, do you have any prior knowledge to what the Demon Core is? I mean, other than what we've already discussed, but other than that, no, not really. Okay, good, good. So it's going to be pretty informative, I guess, for me right now. The Demon Core was a spherical 14-pound subcritical mass of plutonium, 89 millimeters in diameter. Manufactured during World War II in the United States Nuclear Weapons Department effort in the Manhattan Project as a feasible core material for the early atomic bombs. Mm. I'll come back to all that. So keep in mind what I said. I said subcritical mass of plutonium. Okay. So it was actually, so it sat on a desk. It was pretty safe, like, until something happened. It, it's fairly, like, subcritical is very, it's just there. It's just existing. It's kicking off a little bit of radiation, but nothing, like, Horrible. Nothing will melt your skin off? Yet. Oh, uh, the Demon Core does claim people. Claims people? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, you're mine, and you're mine, and you're on my team? No, like, uh, you're putting, and now you're putting. Oh, putting. I'm going to remove some uh, DNA blocks from you, hmm. and then you just kind of melt. Hmm. It happened. So the Core was prepared for shipment, a part of the third nuclear weapon to be used on Japan, but Japan surrendered. And the core was retained at Los Alamos for testing and uh, practical later use. So what they were doing. So Japan kind of knew. And there's there's a lot of controversy about Japan's surrender and all yeah. that stuff. We're not here to get into that. We're not a political podcast like for that kind of stuff. Like There's a lot of people say that Japan was going to surrender. And it was the way they were like they were waiting to figure out how they wanted to surrender. Because it's like their god emperor and all this stuff. It's, there's a lot of weird stuff with it. And yeah. The second nuke got dropped without, I believe it was without Truman's knowledge. Oh, wow. So the second one, because they had it ready to go, Japan kind of knew we had these things. Yeah. But they knew we would never fly them over the open ocean or carry them on cargo ship over the ocean because they were so unstable at this time. Okay. You know what we did? What did we do? In the back of the Enola Gay, they built them at, at when they were in the air above the target sites. Oh, okay. So they built them in the air. Yeah. 
they assembled them in the air. About it's crazy, it's crazy. They literally had these scientists in the back of the Enola Gay doing these things, and then once they pushed them out the back, the Enola Gay had to just go straight up. That's scary. And they were like, they uh, in the Enola Gay after the first one, little boy went off. He said it got so hot in the cockpit. Keep in mind, they're like seven, eight, ten miles above. Yeah. It got so hot, they felt like they were in an oven. They were almost passed out from the heat. That's and we'll get insane. We'll get to the nuclear blast, because I do, I 100% believe it affected the paranormal world. 100%. Yeah. Open and, something up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we have an eyewitness to all that. We'll get to there. The Demon Core was supposed to be the third one. So it was built, so it's like this little metal, uh, it's this little ball of plutonium in this sheet okay and we'll get okay so it involved the two uh you know the two critical act or there was two critical accidents at los alamos laboratory uh in august of 45 in may of 46 each resulted in a lot of or in fatalities both experiments were designed to demonstrate how close the core could be to critical without temper and in any case the core was accidentally placed into critical oh so it was a this thing this thing was like a paperweight yeah it was propped open with a screwdriver, which we'll get to. Not good. And it was fine. It was fine as long as the dome was open. Yeah. It had to be open a little bit to let the, the so it would go, it was in subcritical. The second it closes, I mean, millisecond that it's not escaping, it goes bad fast. Okay. This is a, this is an unshelled nuke. Okay. So it can blow, is what you're saying. Yeah, it, everything would be dead. Yeah. The core is eventually melted down in the summer of 46 for material recycled and used in other cores. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about the like in a minute. We'll get to the paranormal about this. The manufacturer in the early history, the Demon Core was the second core, uh, was like or was like this or this Demon Core was like the second core used in the bombing of Nagasaki. Was when assembled, it was a solid 14 pound sphere measuring, you know, the 89 millimeters in diameter or 3.5 inches. Okay. The thing that leveled Nagasaki was three and a half inches wide. That's craziness. I don't think like people understand. Like This is nature. This is literally nature. I know it's a bomb that we built, but it's it's just plutonium. Yeah. It's just the power inside of plutonium. Where's that? I mean, that's just a naturally occurring element. Right? Super rare earth element. Right, To get yeah. this much of it in one spot is insane. Uh, so, yeah. So, I was measuring this. It's uh, consistent of three parts. The two plutonium gallium hemispheres in a ring designed to keep the uh, neuroflex from jetting out in joint surfaces between the hemispheres during the implosion. So there's like these two outer cores, like yeah. two halves of the shell, and then this ring goes around it, and the core sits in the middle. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, so from jetting out during the surface between the hemispheres during implosion. The core was a device used in the Trinity test at the... Uh, Alagorido bombing and gunny range in July that did not have such a ring. So there was one. Um, the refined plutonium was shipped to the Harford site in Washington State Los Alamos Laboratory. You know Los Alamos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a lot of fun. What is Los Alamos? Wouldn't that the... Uh, wouldn't Los Alamos the... Was it the prison? What am I thinking of? I don't know what you're thinking of. Oh, what's that? Well, then what is Los Alamos? It's just like I uh, so even like or was it the testing the bombing testing facility? Yeah, yeah, okay, gotcha. But it's yes. it's it's connected to now UFO culture right. and everything like that. That's right. Um, funny and thing. What's his name? Uh, oh, the whistleblower uh, from Area Fifty One. 
Uh, Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar was at Los Alamos and gotcha. stuff like that. Oh, okay. I didn't know that connection. And Mythbusters have been to Los Alamos several times. A funny thing about... You know those old videos? Funny. Well, yeah. This is funny, actually. Okay. Um, the uh, uh, Those old videos of like the bombing, like the testing where they tested like the nuclear bombs, mm-hmm. you know, and you see the videos of them, like the buildings getting leveled, the trees like getting leveled and all that stuff. So uh, there was a guy that was just on the Joe Rogan show. Talking. Oh, yep. Did you see that? Yeah. So like there was like vehicles, like obviously the videos were spliced together, like it wasn't real. Um, and they were saying, you know, it could have been just like little model sized versions of things that they were, it, it wasn't actually like, they weren't actually blowing up like giant bombs that they were, you know, recording so i wonder if they would just record those for like just propaganda purposes or they didn't actually want to blow up their no i think i fully believe personally i fully believe they blew up these bombs and because yeah. it killed, killed john wayne and most of the the actors of that time hmm. did you know that did we talk about this ever uh, i don't know so near all Alamos with the nuclear test the trinity testing sites yeah there is a valley next over that they basically run it out for westerns yeah uh john wayne is like 80 percent of the cast of this one Film. Uh, got cancer and died within a year, including John Wayne. And what had happened is the sand was so nuclear radiated, but it was so low it normally didn't affect people. Yeah. They had giant fans because they needed a sandstorm for this one. And so the sand was kicked up in the air. People were breathing in the sand. Oh, gotcha. Uh, and it was like, it's just around the corner from when they were testing the nukes that's crazy. years before. Yeah. So, yeah. Have you ever heard somebody say the U.S. government killed John Wayne? That's what they did. They kind of, in a long about way, like they, they are with our water system or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, where, where was I? Uh, the inventory. So, this was added to the inventory August 30th in Los Alamos. And, uh, and I, have its, I, I have its whole court date or its little date and everything like that, but we don't need that. Uh, the metallurgist used a plutonium gallium alloy, which stabilized in the phase of atropic, of the, uh, the atropic phase of the plutonium. It could be a hot pressed into a desired sphere shape. Plutonium was formed to uh, be corrode ready. The sphere was coated with nickel. Okay, that's what gave it its shiny appearance. Uh, on August 10th, Major General Le- Leslie R. Grover Jr. wrote to the General of the Army: uh, "The next bomb will be an implosion type. It has been scheduled for ready for delivery for target first good weather of August 24th, 1945." We have gained four days in manufacture and expect to ship the final compounds to New Mexico on August 12th and 13th, or 13th, providing there are no unforeseen difficulties in manufacturing and transporting to and therefore in the arrival into the theater. The bomb should be ready for delivery on the first suitable weather day of August 17th or 18th. Uh, the marshal added that this, uh, this notation, it is not to be released on Japan without express authority from the president himself. As President Harry Truman was waiting to see efforts of the first two attacks. And we'll get into that. There's a lot of controversy just for that statement alone. Yeah. On August 13th, there's a third bomb to be scheduled. It was anticipated that it would be ready by August 16th and to be dropped by August 19th, Whew. and preemptive by Japan's surrender of August 15th. So they barely made the cut. Whew. And this one was for Tokyo. The no. Demon Corps was for Tokyo. Oh, good thing they didn't do it. I'm so glad. Yeah. That's where all the sumo wrestlers... Or, you know, their whaling probably wouldn't be a big issue today. Tournaments are held. <laughs> yeah. They've yeah. been back in the Stone Age. Oh, for sure. Like, literally, I there's a lot of controversy with using a nuke. And I don't know if it's right or wrong. I'm not here to tell anybody whether it was right or wrong. It was just happened. Yeah. I don't think it's right. That's for sure. Uh, so while preparations were still being made and Kirkland Airfield, the third core remains at Los Alamos. So we'll get to the incidents. So this was the one 
It was supposed to take out the most people. Yeah. Uh, so I believe it was. And now, then it propped now, open with a screwdriver. I think it was. I think it was Hiroshima was not supposed to be the first target. It was like third on the list. Mm. But the first city they were supposed to bomb was covered by a fog blanket. Oh, okay. And they couldn't see it, and they didn't want to drop it without being able to see what they were doing. Right. And the second city, uh, as they were going over, they were, I think it was Hiroshima, maybe Nagasaki, but they were going over, and it immediately started getting lit up by anti-aircraft rounds. Mm, gotcha. So that they were getting toward, they were supposed to go to a different city, not Hiroshima, and then they were not going to have enough fuel to get back while carrying the thing. The thing was like 13 tons. So like, yeah, let's just stop it. They had to. They had yeah. to get rid of it. Yeah. And they had to take out something because it was supposed to be a show of force. Yeah, it was. And it's just like, it's great. It's just all this weird stuff, like all this political stuff, like Truman approved the first one. But, uh, oh, who who did Truman replace? I, now I don't remember. Which but president? Yeah. Anyways, he was consoling his wife after, you know, after he, the president died. Mm, and okay. she's like, "Why? Well, I don't know why you're consoling me. You're the one in trouble. Yeah. Because this is like the worst thing. Like you have to make bad decisions because like, he died of a heart. I think he died of a heart attack. And I wonder why. And he's just like, you have to make like this is going to kill you. Yeah. Because, you know, hundreds of thousands of people died on bomb day. And then oh, yeah. a bunch of people melted. We'll get to there. And we'll things- get to how horrible. Yeah. Uh, I guess there's. Warnings. We should give warnings before we get to there. We'll give warnings before we get to there. It's bad, but the Demon Core was supposed to be the one that takes out Tokyo, mm-hmm. and it was literally so it had these this little metal core of plutonium with these two metal alloy shells, and to keep it subcritical, you had they literally the one scientist we'll talk about had it as a joke. He had it propped up with a screwdriver. Yeah, and yeah, being funny, and it was sitting in the room full of people. Hey, well, I guess it worked. No, it didn't. I it mean, did while, not work while the screwdriver was in there. It did. Yeah, but it's not. It's like saying the lock on the door works until the door gets kicked in. <laughs> no, the lock didn't do its job. <laughs> it was there. Okay, so the first incident, the core was assembled and was designed to be a five uh, five cent piece in size, uh, and there was a state where there was only a small safety margin assessed by the externalist factors that might increase radioactivity, or reactivity. Sorry, causing the core to become super critical. And then the prompt critical, a brief state of rapid energy increase. So there's this point, like super critical is when it goes boom. Right. Uh, prompt critical is that ramp up. Okay. It only lasts a couple seconds. Oh, dang. Okay. Uh, so these factors are not common in any environment. And there are circumstances like the compression of a solid metallic core, which would eventually be the method that used to explode the bomb in addition to more nuclear materials. The previous is the external factor that would reflect outborn uh, outborn neut- uh, nutrient or the neutrons back into the core. So basically, the core is constantly kicking out these neutrons. Mm-hmm. That's what the slit's for, mm-hmm. is to get rid of them. When the core closes, the neutrons bounce back, and it's like a like a uh, a feedback loop. Okay. A feedback loop that can level a city. Yeah, because it's constantly trying to spit them out. While yeah, it's constantly it. spitting them out, and then it's. Constantly getting hit, bombarded back into it with them. So experiments conducted on Los Alamos leading to the two fa- uh, fatal accidents were designed to generate the core was indeed close to critical point by arranging such uh, reflectors to see how many neutrons reflections would, was required for the approaching supercritical. So they were playing around with it to see what how the, close you could get it exactly. before it kicked over. Testing the limits. 
Uh, so on August 21st, 1945, the plutonium core produced a burst of neutron radiation that led the physicist Harry uh, Donglin's death. Donglin made a mistake while performing the neutron reflective experiment on the core. He was uh, working alone. A security guard, Private Robert J. Harmley, was seated at the desk 10 to 12 feet away. The core was placed within a stack of neutron reflectors, tungsten carbide bricks, and the addition of each brick moved the assembly closer to critical. While attempting to stack another brick around the assembly, Dinglin accidentally dropped it on the core. Oh my god! And therefore caused the core to go into well into supercritical mode. A self-sustaining critical chain reaction had begun. He quickly moved the brick off the assembly and received a extremely fatal dose of radiation. He died 25 days later. Dang, that's crazy. Uh, how bad? What bad luck? Yeah, you don't play with these things. Dropping a brick. Yeah, don't drop a brick on one. That's probably good advice. Yeah. Don't drop a brick on a demon core. It'll get mad. I can guarantee it. You can guarantee what? That the demon core will get mad if you drop a brick on it. Uh so yeah. <laughs> it's just it's it's insane that they were just sitting here playing with this like that, that could uh that could happen. Right, yeah. Oh, it is. I bet that you know that's kinda I mean, was he he worked for the government, so but or military. So Robert J. Harmley was from Whitehall, Ohio. Oh, nice. That's not too far from here. His security guard. Nice. Okay. So he did get he got a dose of radiation. Uh he didn't die till nineteen seventy eight though. He did die of leukemia. Which is a form of cancer, right? Yeah. Okay. They're pretty sure he died from the core incident. Gotcha. But he was ten feet away. Yeah. And received a much lower dose of radiation. Wasn't as close as the other guy. Uh the they other guy was the brig. He and then picked it 25, up. Well, he had to. Yeah. Otherwise, the whole base is going to go. Right, yeah. The second story's worse. What's the second story? I, the second incident. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Is worse. Oh, I bet. Uh, but yeah, so there's only two people in this room. Literally, it just had a screwdriver. Yeah. This thing was propped open with a screwdriver. Screwdrivers work. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. Not with this. It, it was working until someone Until you dropped it. a brick. Until yeah. an accident. So, see, it doesn't work. On May 21st, 1946, physicist Louis uh, Sultan... Sultan? Slotin. Slotin. We'll go Slotin. And seven other personnel were in the Los Alamos laboratory conducting another experiment to verify the closeness of the core to critical by positioning it in neutron reflectors again. Slotin, uh, who was leaving Los Alamos, was showing the te- or this technique to Alvin G. Graves, who would be his, uh, would be used in its final test before its Operation Crossroad nuclear test scheduled a month later in Bikini Atoll. Okay. Mm Bikini Atoll. Yes. Was the demon core. That was? No, for real? We'll get that. It's required to operate, or it's required that the operator to place two half spheres of beryllium, a neutron reflector, around the core to be tested. This is that that shell we were talking about. And manually lower the top reflector onto the core using a thumb hole on top. So literally, you're like, this core sits in this half sleeve. Yeah. And you're lowering the top on by hand Mm -hmm. because it goes from harmless to melt you. And. Nothing. No time at all. So he's supposed to be lowered, but there's a screwdriver there to catch it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a screwdriver. Don't worry. There's a screwdriver. Right, exactly. Uh, so around the core to be tested manually by lowering <laughs> the reflectors. and uh, use a thumb hole. As the reflector was being manually moved closer and further away from each other, uh, this, the slatching's counters measured relatively activity or uh, relative activity from the core. The experiment needed to maintain a slight separation between the reflectors' halves in order to stay below critical, the standard mm. protocol was used to, to have shims between the halves. 
as allowing them to get closer completely as a result of inconsistent formations with a critical mass and lethal dose of or lethal power executions. Under Sultan's own unapproved protocol, the shins were not used, and while the only thing preventing them from closing was a standard flathead tip screwdriver <laughs> manipulated by Slotin's hands himself. That's that's pretty funny. He got rid of all the protocol and replaced it because he thought it was funny. Yeah. Um, one time, though, uh, so at the bowling alley, you know, I have those motors in the back that run all the machines. And one of them, there's this reset switch. If the motor gets too hot, it'll kick that. It'll kick this switch off. I forget the name of it. It starts with a K. But it kicks a switch. So the motor just stops. It, cuts, it loses all of its power. So it stops running so it doesn't burn up. Well, one time there was a short just in the switch itself, not the motor. So that switch kept kicking the motor off by itself. So I constantly had to just pull the reset button down. So I took a flathead screwdriver, shoved it down, that held the button down, tied a rag around it. Should you be admitting this on public radio wave? It's, what do you mean? Yeah. That violates a lot of code. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It gets you. It's called being a mechanic to get you through the night. Mm. And guess what? It got me through the night. Yeah, Slotten. Yeah, it worked. So Slotten, who was known he's to be my given guy. to bravado moments, yeah, became uh, or became the local expert performing the test on almost a dozen occasions, often with his trademark blue jeans and cowboy hat and boots in front of a room full of zurers in lab coats and military attire. He's my kind of guy. Ernesto or Ernaco Furman reportedly told that Slotten and others would be dead within, a, or he told everybody they'd be dead within a year. Uh, oh my yeah, gosh. he just yeah, dead within a year. What a continued performing in the test in this mirror. He was literally came in and like dressed up like a, he was not a cowboy. Yeah, but he, dressed he was like a nerd. Him. Yeah, he came and dressed. He would dress up like a cowboy to do these experiments. They could leveled, leveled, killed hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, what what a goofball. Yeah, so the scientists referred to this as flirting with the possibility of a nuclear chain reaction as tickling the dragon's tail. <laughs> okay. Jeez. Based on a remark. These they're are the guys that made the nuke. These, yeah, they're making these jokes. That's not good. A remark is a physicist, uh, Richard Flynnman, who compared the experience to tickling the drag, uh, the tail of a sleeping dragon. Oh, my gosh. Now the day of the accident. Yeah, I uh, wonder. This was coming. Slot and screwdriver slipped outward a fraction of an inch when he was lowering the top reflector, allowing the reflector to fall onto the core. Okay. Instantly, the room turned blue. Instantly, the core was glowing like a sun. Like it, the the guy, like keep in mind, this room has fourteen people in it. Yeah. Instantly, everybody was like bathed in blue light. The core was glowing like a star. Yeah. Slotten reached down. He picked the top off and threw it down. And he said, "Well, that'll do it." Because he knew he was gonna die. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, his hand melted. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, he's the only one that died directly from this day. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let me get to it. Uh, I have his how much he received. He received a thousand times lethal dose. Man, what a mistake. Uh, should have used those wood shims. Oh, uh, like a lot of the other guys died from like. Heart disease, radiation poisoning. Like nobody died directly of the accident that day. Yeah, it was all the aftermath stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it was just like every if you were two foot further away from the next guy, you may live another nineteen years than him. Gotcha. It was just crazy stuff like that. So yeah, he literally like the way they described it, and 
His demeanor changed a little bit. I bet a little bit. Hubris I, went away. I bet he could stop wearing the cowboy hat. Well, no, he's melted. Yeah. Literally in the hospital, he described him as like, like he lived for nine days. And the last couple of days, he was like a puddle. Like his bones were liquefying. He's like a squonk. Like literally. Yeah. Because it breaks apart your DNA. Oh, yeah. It breaks your DNA chains down. Like the covalent bonds between. So you literally start turning into jelly. Mm. Mm, I could have, I could try it. J flavored jelly and so, toast. This guy is just screwing around with at that point in time the most single, the most single powerful weapon, deadliest weapon on the planet. Yeah, and he has it. It's already killed hundreds of thousands of people. Gosh dang! And he's dressed up like a cowboy and screwing around with people. And like the scientists that visit would see these things and were like, "Yeah, they'll all be dead within a year." Yeah. Like a rhinestone cowboy. Yeah, he was rhinestone. So I just want to do the description again because when the, the core fell, the little topper fell. Yeah. Just the screwdriver's width. Yeah. It glowed like a star instantly. No, like there was no, like it was warming up. It was right. instantly glowing like a star. Yeah. And the whole room Went was in a blue light. So did it. Uh, did it and obviously it didn't explode right then there, but oh, he it was only on there for like half a second because he reached right down and grabbed and it, he picked it up off, yeah. and he set it down and he said, "Well, that'll do it. I'm done." As his hand was falling apart. Jeez, that's nuts. That's insane. The day he was supposed to retire, this was his last experiment. Oh my gosh! Now, with the Demon Core, there's some unsubstantiated claims. A lot of guards have come forth. A lot of the other scientists that were visiting talked about it, like talking. Yeah. Or they, like it had an, it had an aura around it. Mm-hmm. Like it felt evil. Yeah. And that could be the whole persona of it just killed like uh, the things that's ty- same type of thing just killed hundreds of thousands of people, innocent people, you know, just people, just people, and Mo- normal every day. So looking at that and looking how nonchalantly these guys are dealing with this thing. It almost so like I said, some guards would like ask to be changed like further away from it and stuff like that. And they could say that it was fear. Yeah. But some people come up and said like it almost sounded like it was whispering at some times. So or there'd only be one scientist in there, and it sounds like he was talking to somebody. And it was like that. That's why it kind of got well. Besides it killing everybody, it kind of got nicknamed the Demon Chorus because they said it was like it was full of demons. Yeah. Which it may it may have been. We'll get there because it's, it's big energy center right there. The big availability. To have an energy, yeah, it yeah. just—it's insane. What do you think about the demon core so far? I just think that the old rhinestone cowboy guy is silly. He's still just a goofball. Yeah, it's how uh, you're gonna die one day. What a goober! Shoving a screwdriver into a bowling alley machine as it eats you. <laughs> now I have almost got caught into a bowling alley machine. I was very close. I got my hand caught in a pulley once. Pretty dang scary. I got my hair. I big chunk of my hair ripped off from a pulley. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's scary. Now nah, mo- moving parts. And demon cores are not to be played with. Yeah, dying. Just the nonchalantness. Doesn't it almost like seem like there is something else going on? Like, like, like it tricked him into treating it like as, uh, you know, just nonchalantly. Yeah. Like, or like there's this aura. I don't know. It's like, like, like some haunting stuff. It's like, wear the cowboy boots to work today. Where, where, match the, it with the hat. Where the, the silk gloves. When you're trying to lower the core top down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't need the wooden shims. That's a waste of time. The screwdriver's funnier. Guy's Screw- like, yeah, right. It's like, now he's like, yeah, like, you can't find the shims. Just use the screwdriver. Yeah. 
No, it's it'll be funny. Make a joke of it. But it's just like cool. the weird, like in other people around them at the base were not happy with how things were being done, but they were like the only guys that could do it. Yeah. So they were they like, had nothing, could, they couldn't do nothing yeah. about it. Yeah. That's nuts. That's. It seems very. Uh, it's always dreamed odd to me that these guys are just like screwing around, goofing off. I, it, to me, it, not really. I don't know. It's just, I keep mind these are scientists. Nineteen forty, World War Two. Yeah, they've killed hundreds of thousands of people. Well, not the scientists, but they have. They built the thing. Well, true, but they didn't see it. They, you know, they weren't see, actively dropping it. Or a lot of the other scientists, like that, left the project immediately after it was done. Like they were had a couple days of feeling like they were like war heroes. Yeah. Then a lot of them like there were suicides. There was all this stuff. Like they instantly most like Oppenheimer himself. You guys heard him at the beginning, felt instantly horrible what he'd he'd made. Yeah. A lot of these guys just like some of them thought it was cool for a couple of days, and then they're like, "Oh wait, this gonna be used on people on people." Yeah. And the U.S. government had to animalize people, the Japanese, yeah. in order for us to use it on them. Like literally, that's what they were doing. These campaigns that they were training in. these kids, and like it wasn't real, real. Like how, I don't know, They're not a political podcast, but it's just to use that this weapon on people. They had to criminalize and animalize other people. Mm-hmm. It's just, but to me, the, the, their behaviors because it was like these guys were just goofing off, having fun. He's dressed up like a cowboy today. Yeah. So he was uh, that scientist was cutting holes in the fence, and he was playing pranks. Like, he would check out a base and then appear back in the base. What do you mean? He was, like, dri- he would drive to work, clock in, check into the base. He would leave work, check out, but he had cut a hole in the fence, so he would sneak back into base and act like he was leaving work again. Mm. He was screwing with everybody. Yeah. Like, there was all the... It was so... Like, there was so much weirdness around this aura of this third core. Mm. So it's like a trickster in there. Yeah. Almost like a trickster spirit. It was... Yeah. Like, he was possessed almost is what right, I get. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was like... Or it's influencing him to do these yeah. things, yeah. Wow, yeah. Never really thought of that before, but I didn't know this stuff. It's weird. It is very strange, because you would think someone in that situation creating a device like this wouldn't be acting like this at all whatsoever. Like you said, Einstein walked away from the project. Well, we didn't say that on air. We talked about it off air. Einstein walked away from the project after he seen what it was going to be used for. As, yeah. Like, he just was like, I'm done. You know, it was he wanted it for it to be a deterrent, not a... Not used. at use, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, uh, what's Mr. Miyagi say in Karate Kid, you know? Karate, not for attack. Karate, for defense. Mm-hmm. So it's like that kind of stuff. But, and then Oppenheimer, like, oh, Oppenheimer's a weird man himself in the movie. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I don't know how yeah. true to form it is. Right. I mean, it's I like the actor they hired for him, though. I can't think of his name. I have no idea. But he's got, like, a very, like, deadpan face. And that's like Oppenheimer. For, it's perfect for Oppenheimer. Yeah. Uh, Emotionless. It's just like a lot of people died around this project, whether it was suicide or weird deaths, and it was just like it wasn't like it was an abomination almost. And you know, and that's right. And we're dealing with like even today's climate, like the threat of nuclear war is you know on the precipice. So it's this. It ain't funny stuff. Like it's and he's dressed up like a cowboy breaking into the base. Yeah, with, like he would screw with guards. And, like, he kept getting threatened to be fired, and he would die. I want to drop a core today. Yeah. Gosh. What a goofball. Yeah, what a goofball. <laughs> and he would, like, play with it. I think even, I can't remember. There's a story of him putting something in somebody's drink, like the new, like a small nuclear core and stuff like that. Jesus. 
I, I heard he used it like a fushigi ball, too. Probably. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Toast against the wall, and the whole base is just gone. <laughs> That's part of his demonstration was like a fushigi trick with the ball. Ooh, the, look at it, it go. Yeah. <laughs> just throws it against the wall as hard as he can. Well, that'll do it. <laughs> well, that'll do it. You know, it's just weird when he said that. Yeah. And it's just like, well, he didn't really get the chance to explain it because he just started, he just started melting. New though. Uh, but what did he mean? Was it the demon talking through him being like, well, that'll do it. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hmm. I, would, I would say more like he knows mm. he's, he's dying. He's actively dying. Yeah, he's done. Like literally there's one picture of his hand instantly after and there's just a hole through it. Gosh, that's crazy. Like just gone. That's scary. All right. Now the next thing. I promise we'll get back to the paranormal side of the world. Yeah. This does connect. I promise. But I want to talk now about the nuclear bomb drops. Okay. And we have one survivor we're going to talk about. He was a pastor, one of the only Christian pastors in Japan. Like Japan is only like, even today, it's only like 6% Christian. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he was like back then in the 40s, he was like the only one. Spoke English, all this stuff. Uh, But yeah, he's the one that's, uh, what was that awful show? The Truman Show? With Jim Carrey? Is that the one where they, the old one? The old one. Truman Show is a movie, I'm pretty sure. No, the, the movie's about the Truman Show. Oh, okay. Oh, I have no idea. Like, there's the Truman Show, which they'd bring, like, gotcha moments and stuff like that. Anyways, they brought this pastor on and brought the pilot of the Enola Gay on, and this guy just looks like he's seeing a demon. Because he is. To him, it's, that killed his wife, killed everybody. Yeah. Like, this guy, and they had, like, a cry moment. And they actually end up, like, it was... Both of them felt it was positive for them after because the only gay pilot was like ready to kill himself. Yeah. Instantly. I mean, you imagine dropping that thing. No, I can't. And the whole, you're seven, 10 miles up. I couldn't. And instantly the whole cabin is so hot. You can't touch this. You can't touch the wheel. You can't touch the seats because you're, it's all like you're in a boiling box. From yeah. 10 miles. Anyways. I mean, I've done it on the game civilization, but that's just different. I think in person, I don't think I could even imagine seeing it. So, the atomic dropping, the most fearsome sight, the bombing of Hiroshima. Is that is that what you just had a little bit ago in the bathroom? Most fearsome sight? No, no well, yeah, atomic dropping. Oh, no, that's every day. <laughs> uh, by July 1945, Germany had surrendered. Here's one thing I didn't know about World War II. I didn't know Germany surrendered first. And I don't know if I learned this wrong or if I didn't pay attention enough. Either or possibly. <laughs> Uh, that the only reason we dropped the nukes is because we wanted to stop dealing with Japan so we could deal with Germany. Okay. But that's wrong. Yeah, because, wait, like you said, Germany... Germany was done way before we started, like, dropping mm. the nukes. Wow. It's all just screwed up. There's just something nefarious with all the... 100%. World, world they just wanted wars. to use a big bomb. Yeah, basically. The Japanese were easier than white people. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's Anyone... what it was. I mean, that's what it was a whole. Well, I mean, all of it's like that. I Europeans mean... still had family. Like uh, Americans still had family in Europe. They right. knew people in Europe. Yeah. The Japanese, they analyzed them. Well, it's still the same today. I mean, we only drop bombs on countries full of, you not know, a black, and, podcast. black and brown people. Not I, oh, a... I know we're not. It's just fa- facts are facts. Facts are facts. All right. So Journey had surrendered. Uh, the war in European was pretty much over. Japan, however, refused to submit to the terms outlined by uh, the Allies post uh, post demands declaration. It appeared that American leaders, the only way to uh, compel Japan to unconditional surrender, and that was the whole thing they want unconditional surrender, mm-hmm. uh, was dropping these bombs. Although an estimated 300,000 Japanese civilians had already died from starvation and bombing raids. Mm-hmm. We were bombing Japan daily. Oh, they didn't even. T- I mean, they. You know the the nuclear bombs. Yes, did major damage, but they say like the fire bombings we did before that did more, way well, I more got the damage. Numbers. Yeah, I got the numbers. Yeah, uh, but the fire bombings you could move back in. Well, well, you yeah. couldn't move back into Hiroshima and Nagasaki for a while. Oh well, yeah. Uh, so Japan had already uh, deployed more than five hundred sixty thousand soldiers and thousands of suicide planes and boats and islands. Uh, additional reports estimate that the Japanese military had executed all American prisoners in Japan in the event of the Allied landing. A firefight, uh, the U.S. forces suffered, like trying to get to the mainland, 49,000 casualties, including 12,000 men killed in action, uh, facing less than 120,000 Japanese soldiers during the Battle of Okawa Island. And that's kind of, they just were decimating, the Japanese were decimating Americans at this because they were built in as a cliff face mm-hmm. that they were trying to make these, Ameri- the Americans were trying to make the soldiers walk up the cliff face to get these guys and they're just being shot. So we were sending the soldiers for slaughter basically. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, sorry. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So Truman approved the longstanding plan for the U.S. Army Air Force to drop the atomic bombs listed as the pre-selected Japanese city targets. List of targets uh, excluded Tokyo and Kyoto, 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 because of their political and historical importance. So they Mm -hmm. try to claim that they were trying to avoid cities of high import, like high historic importance. Mm -hmm. So Hiroshima was like a business town, like it was just industry. Nagasaki was another one of these ones that had some historic importance, but was more industry than an old, long time standing town. I guess if you want to call that a mercy. Uh, yeah, so Hiroshima, a fan-shaped city that was approximately 550,000 people had occupied on the Ata River, was also home to the headquarters of the Japanese army and the defender of the island of uh, Kurasha. Uh, yeah, so uh, at 12.45 a.m. Monday, August 6, 1945, the Bria American B-29 bombers of the 57th Composite Group took off from the airfield in the Pacific island of Titiman, or Titiman uh, 1,500 miles south of Japan. Colonel Paul Tibbets, 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 piloted the lead bomber, the Enola Gay. Oh, yeah, it was Tibbets because that's the one that they talked to later. Gotcha. And he had his little boy on on deck, hmm. 10,000 pounds. As a result, the overloaded Enola, so it weighed too much. They, over, they overweighted, or the overloaded Enola Gay used more than two miles of runway to get loft. Wow. They had no planes big enough to get these things in the air. Really. Yeah. Gosh, dang. Meanwhile, in Hiroshima, Reverend. I'm going to try to pronounce his first name, but it's uh, Tanimoto is his last name. Reverend Tanimoto, I'm just going to go with it. Uh, awoke at 5 a.m. Hiroshima time, which was an hour behind Tideman's time. Uh, Tamamoto was a pastor of the Hiroshima Methodist Church. A small man, quite or quit, or yeah, quick to talk, laugh, and cry. Uh, that's what all his friends described. He was a good person. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was actually kind of persecuted for being a Christian in his town. Tanimoto was a thoughtful and curious man 
who had sent his wife and baby to relative safety of the northern suburbs. Uh, so he sent his family away because he knew that like, the bombings were happening coming, and stuff yeah. like that. Not just the, he didn't know the nuclear bomb was coming. Oh, gotcha. But they the were getting firebombs. Fire yeah. All he the didn't want to leave cities, his yeah. church, mm. but he wanted his wife and his baby to be safe. safe. So he's like, go live in the countryside. When it's all over, I'll come out and get you. But for now, I got to stay with the church. Right. Uh, yeah, so Tanamo was thoughtful and curious, and man, uh, he sent his wife. Tanamo remained in the city to remove and transport objects from his church and the safety in the suburb estate. He slept uh, poorly because of several air raids, warning in previous nights. Hiroshima had not made an air raid or had not yet uh, innated any American bombing raids, but it was good fortune that he had not expected the, to last. This morning, Tanamoto had agreed to help his friend move a large armory filled with, cl- or, uh, not armory, amor, uh, amor, armor. Yeah, whatever that thing is. Yeah. I get the cl- a chest, a big chest full of clothes. Yeah. Or, or armoire. Armoire. There we go. There we go. Whatever the heck that thing is. So they two men had trumbled the piece of the furniture through the streets, and they heard the air raid sirens go off. The alarm sounded every morning when the American weather planes flew overhead. So the men were not really particularly worried at this time. Right. Can you imagine that? Like, they're not worried because it's like, it's just the weather planes. Like, yeah. literally, the yeah. Americans had weather planes flying over to just tell what the weather was back home. Yeah. Uh, they continued with their the hard cart through the city streets. When a pair reached their destination, there was no sounds. Uh, there was no sound of planes. The morning was still. The place was the place was good, cool, and pleasant. The silence before the storm. Mm-hmm. At eight fourteen a.m. Hiroshima time, the Enola Gay arrived to the city. The Enola Bridge, which the bomber Thomas Phoebe used as an aiming point, was clearly visible through the plane's bomb shield. Phoebe took the, uh, control of the bomber and opened the bomb day doors just after eight fifteen a.m. Uh, Freebie released the little boy into the re- from the restraints, and the boy fell from the Enola Gay. Mm. The plane jumped nearly 10 feet the instant it left. Wow. Uh, Tibbets immediately resumed control of the plane, banked sharp at a 150-degree turn as he participated in this difficult maneuver. From, he, he practiced this difficult maneuver for months as he'd been instructed. As less than He'd have 45 seconds to get away from the explosion. He had less than 45 seconds to get out. Mm-hmm. Not even the scientists who designed the bomb were sure if the Enola Gay would survive the shockwave of the blast. That's crazy. Little boy fell almost six miles in 43 seconds before detonating at an altitude of 2,000 feet. The bomb exploded, which forced more than 150, or sorry, 15 tons. 15,000 tons. Now I got the number right. 15,000 tons of TNT directly over a surgical uh, clinic. 500 feet above the Nola Bridge, less than 2% of the bomb's uranium-activated fusion. Uh, but the result reaction engulfed the city in a blinding flash of heat and light. The temperature at ground level reached nearly 7,000 degrees. How did he live? Oh, we'll get there. Uh, Fahrenheit in less than a second. Gosh, dang. The bomb vaporized people half a mile away from ground zero. Bronze statues and roof tiles fused together. And, okay, now everybody, if you got sense of stomach, you got kids in the car, this is time to turn off for a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Come back. Okay, so like I said, bronze statues melted, roof tiles fused together, clay melted, exposed skin of people miles away, burned with the intensity of infused uh, energy release. Gosh. At least 80,000 people died instantly. So bad. Reverend Tanamoto saw a tremendous flash of light cut across the sky 
and the east and the west and the city towards the hills. It seemed the sheet of the sun had been brought down upon the city. As Tanaman was two miles away from the epiquits of the explosion, he had a few seconds to throw himself between two large rocks in a garden of his friend's house. He felt a sudden pressure, and then splinters and pieces of boards and fragments of tile fell onto him. The house had collapsed along with the concrete wall surrounding the garden. The day grew darker and darker under the massive dust, dust clouds. Mm. All right. Now, the next thing is where we get into the paranormal. Mm-hmm. So, Tanamoto was completely buried by rock. Right. Instantly. This is probably the only reason he survived with what the condition he was in. He, it was like, I don't know if you want to say God's thing or whatever, literally. He got covered with this rock wall. So he's in between these two big rocks. Right. And then the rock wall covered him. Yeah. So he instantly got protected. Very lucky. So he crawled out like hours later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would I would stay in there as long as no, I could. No, I mean, he couldn't. He was covered by bricks. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. It, it, so he gets out. And the world he describes is terrifying and beautiful. Hmm. So he describes it as these big flashes of, of fire all around, like a whole overall, almost like he's in another world. It's all gray. Mm, okay. It's like in a bubble. It's like, yeah. it's almost silent. People with skin that had fallen off were walking around like zombies. Uh, he said people by the hundreds were walking into the river to cool off. And by when they hit the river, they just died and started floating down the river. <sighs> But it's like some part of their brain was like, you know, try to get water. Get to water, yeah. And he was just seeing this. And then he's seen these almost sheets or balls of green fire lightning moving through the town and in the sky. Okay. And he described them as almost being alive. Hmm. But he was having trouble, like big sheets of electric fire. Yeah. They were green. It almost sounds like it's just like discharge or something. Yeah. Like electric so something discharge like, chargers. But his, the way he was describing it was like plasma. Yeah, yeah. But they were like, there was some like, almost like moving through the city like fire without burning. And then some in the sky moving around. Hmm, okay. And then finally he started, he started saving people. He started pulling people out and he started trying to save people. Uh, he tried to dig his buddy out. And he tried to get his buddy's wife. It just was like, they were in a different world for a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's exactly right. So, and then life started snapping back together. Uh, from the Enola Gay, the crew seen a gigantic purple mushroom cloud and a purple almost aura around the city. Okay. They had already risen to a height of 45,000 feet, three miles above their altitude that they were supposed to be. And they were still boiling upward of some terribly, like they were still boiling alive in the plane. The plane was already miles and miles away, and the cloud looked like it had engulfed the bomber and spewed it back up. Mm. Even more fearsome, says Tibbets. The sight of the ground below, the base of black clouds, green fires were spewing up everywhere amid of the turbulent mass of smoke had appeared in a bubbling hot tar. Gosh. The city had seen so clearly in the sunlight a few minutes ago was now an ugly smudge black, green, and purple completely disappearing under an awful blanket of smoke and fire. Oh, oh, gosh. So this is all horrible. Yeah. But I think what uh, Tamamoto was starting to see yeah. 
was the walls of reality starting to fall apart. Like blend together or open up? Or they were torn open. Yeah. Something like this, even the tests were smaller than this. Mm, yeah. This one, it only burned 2% of its fusible material. Dang. Just 2%. That's small. Uh, I think what happened, personally, is that this green plasma, whether they were actually... Even maybe, like we talked about before, electric beings mm-hmm. on the Earth, like the living in the Earth's electric field, they were probably affected. I, so a lot of people say that these nukes, why, quote-unquote, aliens are actually interdimensional beings, or beings living in other light spheres of our Earth. Yeah. And the nukes affect them, too. Oh, yeah. That's why they're mad. That's oh, why they're yeah. coming and abducting us. That's why they're, you know. They're like, uh, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? They didn't care about anything else because it wasn't affecting them. Now right, it's yeah. affecting them. Right. So these just the way he, they, he describes this. Seems just like the, the paranormal world was tore open. And then we, uh, we know a couple of years later, Roswell, and then the gigantic UFO flaps and the mysterious monsters, and then all this stuff mm-hmm. just seems like it's pouring it's like, from somewhere else. Maybe they just realized, like, oh, okay, there's ways into these other dimensions and stuff like that. So let's talk about the paranormal side. Or do you have anything to say about Tamamoto and, and his Tibbets? experience? So Tibbetts, it's weird, I, it's, and they got to meet later on, like I said, you know, yeah. and, and it's, uh, they both said it was a positive experience for them, because Tibbetts was a demon to the Japanese culture. Right. Like yeah. a literal demon. Right. Like, so when uh, Tamamoto had seen him, he was like, that's a demon. Like, he literally on the Truman Show, I think it was the Truman Show, looked at him like he was a demon. Yeah. It's so weird to see something like that, because it's like... I might have to look that up. He's not looking at him like he's a human. Yeah. And then... Like Tom, or then Tibbetts was felt horrible as well because he's like, ins- he'd been he's dropping like, bombs forever. I'm just doing my job. Like this is what they assigned me to do. But this bomb almost cooked him alive. Yeah. And do you think the scientists told him that? Yeah, the Nola game may not make it back. No. No. Not like, not a chance. Yeah. So, what do you think about this whole experience before we move on? Um, I mean, I, I believe the man. He has no reason to lie about any of it, but uh. It's it's just so wild and but it's so dark and awful for our his for just history in general. But I don't know. It's it's kind of scary to think about to really imagine put yourself in his shoes mm-hmm. and seeing all this stuff. So I think the nukes ripped open a door to the other dimensions. Yeah. Whether you want to say demonic or in, like these side dimensions or even our own reality. Yeah. Like well, affecting these creatures that live in the Earth's electromagnetic field. These maybe even intelligent beings. Yeah. You know, that could be what Very well could be. They could have been the screen fire electricity could have been them burning. Yeah, they're on fire like screw, in their version. They're trying to run around to get put it out and they can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like the blast itself just shook up their uh, frequency or something and just turn them into that. And now they're they're actively melting or, you know, mm-hmm. quote unquote, they're, melting, yeah. but falling apart by the seams. And some people think that the demons had helped in the construction of the nukes. They were whispering of how to open the doors, not the destruction they would cause, but this would open the door to where they live. To where they can come here. Pour through. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. It's weird. Okay. Uh, and then this, so I have also have written, this could have attracted other entities from both space and everywhere else, interdimensional and stuff, like a big beacon. This was, some people think that with normal alien theorists and stuff like that think, that the nukes were the first sign and that, like, hey, that civilization's getting close to destroying itself, mm. or, hey, they've hit the next level. So let's you know, go time, check them it's out. It's time to check them out. Yeah. You know, they went from hitting each other with rocks to wiping off continents, hmm. I, our cities, you know. I think the nukes now, keep in mind, this is almost 100 years ago. 
I think we have some that'll wipe off small continents. Oh, I believe you, but I just like they went from hitting each other with rocks to <laughs> hitting each other with rocks. Yeah, it's because metal. I know it's just funny to imagine, like, uh, uh, and two dropping <laughs> nuclear bombs. I mean, it happened very well, quickly. Missed that. Look at Keep them. mind, planes were only invented like thirty years before this. Like planes, as in the modern understanding, oh, okay, not the paragliders okay. that gotcha. that the White Brothers were using. Yeah. I'm talking like a plane, plane. Orville and Redenbacher. Yeah, Orville and Redenbacher. <laughs> uh, anyway, so it's like we went very uh, fast. Yeah. From having like World War One had these little like kind of plane glider things that yeah. you could spy, and they weren't very good, and they crashed a lot. Yeah. To World War Two, twenty years later, this thing that wipes out a city. Gosh, dropping a t- t- what did you say? Thirteen ton or thirteen thousand pound? Ten thousand. Ten thousand pound. Yeah. I think I think a fat man was thirteen or fourteen thousand pounds. Gosh, dang! And we don't have any. I don't have any stories for Nagasaki. What it looked like because they all died. Yeah. Anyway, it's close enough. There's. I mean, there's people. I don't know how he survived. Like he was way too close. I, I'm well. Divine intervention. And there was perhaps. that other guy. I I should have looked up his name. That was survived both bomb drops. Yeah, I remember we talked about that too. That he got on a train to go move to the, the Nagasaki. The, yeah, and then he got he survived that one. That's that's insane. What the, how how much how bad of a commute would that be? Like you as you're like, taking I think off, you kill yourself at that point. You're taking off. The explosion goes off behind you. Pew! Just missed that one. No, he was in it. Oh, he was in it. Yeah, he was in both of them. Oh my god! Called out a rebel. Oh my gosh! And then I'm getting out of here. And then the next one psh, happens again. So, what do you think about the demon side of it? Well, I mean, war in general is off an awful thing. It's one of the four horsemen. Yeah, and nuclear war like this is just this bomb itself is so bad. Like, um, I I can just see it being like demonically driven because it's basically like instant. Mass amounts of human sacrifice right there. That amount of energy release. And that's something I didn't even cover. That Like the, the amount of death. Yeah. The energy release. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And not just humans, but everything. Everything. The earth. Like that section of earth is dead. That way that he describes it like being in this like gray. Yeah. It really reminds me of, like people describing the little interdimensional bubbles. I was going to say that. Or I wonder if it's too like just your brain and your eyes. It's, you know, we talk about shadow people. I mean, like, he just got perceive. A- a hell of a lot of radiation. Well, that that there's that too, yeah. <laughs> that side of it. I guess I didn't even kind of think of that. He could have been imagining the green electric clouds that, because uh Well, I, I was just saying like uh uh like it you're you can't interpret it what's I got going you. on. Like yes. like I agree with you, like the walls of reality are shifting or broken down to where you're seeing these other dimensions and these other dimensions you can't even perceive with your own mind. And now that you're getting a glimpse of them and your mind is like uh, uh, gray. Make it gray. I kind of, I can see that. I kind of think though it was actually gray because it just reminds me so much of these interdimensional stories later. Oh yeah, it could be. I think this is the big scale of the interdimensional shift. Hmm. That those creatures or the green things may have been creatures not purposely being there. That they got shoved there too. Or even too, I just thought of uh, you know, how we think uh, orbs we see are you know interdimensional beings, but the only glimpse that we get in our reality mm-hmm. is just is the orb right so maybe it's these other creatures just moving through and the only thing you can see is that, that maybe why they're sporadic right is right because they're, they're, they're literally being damaged and they're running through all this like, ah! yeah like they're on fire i don't it's just either way it's crazy and it's awful and sad and bad and now negative the amount of instantly insane cryptids 
we got after the 1940s. Now, did this, like, in Japan in general or just all over the, the world? world? Yeah, the world. This is a world-affecting thing. I think mm-hmm. what happened, personally, my kind of working theory is this damaged the, what do you want to call it, the ether, the veil. I think the veil of the ether is connected to the electromagnetic field of the Earth. Yeah. Highly. I think this severely damaged it, causing the little spots to open up everywhere on the planet. Mm, yeah. And these interdimensional monsters just to pour out. Everywhere, yeah. Like, and then it's later on in history, we've seen that they almost always, they pop up around these nuclear testing plants. They pop up around these government bases around the world. They, it gets weird. What if, too, this explosion kind of set off any t- any nuclear stuff we're doing now, now it's like the electromagnetic sphere super sensitive to it. Right. Now it's, it's getting, yeah. it's yeah, it's tore it open. It's hurting. So they had to drop this bomb like yeah. in order for that to cause that effect, which means it's probably... This, the development of this bomb was probably like demonically driven. And I don't even know if it's, if it's not. Let's say it's not demonic. I think it may have been. But yeah. let's say it's not demonically driven. That the government realized afterwards, like, oh, this opens doors. Right. Yeah. We just happened to kick the first one. We kicked the door in. Yeah. And all this stuff poured out. Yeah. And then you know the next one. Then they start doing it at smaller scale and more focused, like Stranger Things. Right. I was actually just going to Google that when when that what that's based off of sixties. Oh, so after the fact, okay. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, the 60s. Geez. I think the 60s. Either way, it's after 60s, World War II. 70s. It's after we dropped these bombs, right? So, yeah. So, all these monsters, all these... And even <sighs> when you look at older cryptids from around the world, and I'm talking folklore cryptids from all cultures, they almost always seem to have biological backings. Yeah. Like, for Earth. Like, if you look at the bunyip from Aborigines, like we talked about last week, that's an animal. Whether mm. you wanted to believe it's the walrus or the elephant seal or the, the, the dipo... Uh, the, the dipo hippo or anything like that it's an animal it's some kind of animal a giant right. platypus it's an animal right that you know all these ancient things of these giant birds and this stuff they all fit animals mm-hmm. mostly you know there are exceptions to ever there's a lot of exceptions to that what i just said that's a blanket term but but some of them most of them of previous fit animals right then after world war ii after these bombs dropped after this giant massive death that they get weird. Mothman. They get into jelly. They get into flesh cubes. They get into these weird two-dimensional creatures ripping through the forest. They get into, like you just said, Mothman. Does, they don't fly. You know, they Mothman just moves. Right. Like it yeah, it kind of hovers. Yeah. It's fitting unconventional. The Veggie Man. All these, like, super weird things. The, the, the Octo Monster. Just yeah. this a mass of flesh and tentacles. It's just all these things. Just start pouring through from somewhere else. Right, exactly. That don't fit our definition. It's, it's like from a different biosphere or something. I don't know. Either way, it's 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 scary to think about because, yeah, like we said earlier, if if talking about that second bomb being dropped and he didn't know, it's like did. So here's the thing with that, and if we want to kind, of, and I'm not an expert on that. Yeah. But I believe he had the order signed. To be able to mm. drop two bombs without, but they were still awaiting. Truman was still awaiting Japan's answer. Right. Yeah. And then the guys with the bomb kind of went like, "Well, we have this order that if they don't surrender, we're allowed to drop a second one." And they just went ahead and dropped it. Just went ahead and, and did Truman it. Truman like, oh, ah. oh, yeah. we're, "We're still wait. Like, we're still talking to them." Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but what if like in order to set off like kind of following our theory, if this weakened the veil. What if they needed to drop both? Like that was the you had to have both explode in order for it to get weakened enough to where we can do these sort of things. I have another kind of thought with this. Yeah. With the cryptids. 
Yeah. What if the cryptids, the scary, freaky monsters, are Earth's uh, natural immune system reacting to such a devastating attack? Mm. So it's it's basically creating these. The it's Earth pulling them from somewhere. I don't know where. Yeah. Maybe deeper in the Earth. Whatever. However, the Earth works, or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. That this is the immune system reaction to something so devastating that it affected it. You know, so it's like here's here's a bunch of monsters for you to deal with. Well, Earth, I need you to start kicking your immune system into overdrive and, uh, you know, going after, you know, all the evil that's running the world right now. Also, this terror, if this is happening and there's things are pouring in, this could explain the missing four and one stuff too. Oh yeah, that the people are just falling through holes. Yep, they're appearing as these stairs or whatever in the forest. They're appearing as just they're just falling through into other places. Well, yeah, what the veil is just. Probably weak. Any weak spot that was weak before, beyond now, like present time after that happens, probably like way worse. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they just move around a lot more. I don't know. So after these bombs dropped, there was one guy that was, uh, I believe it was in Russia, that they were going to try to affect the Earth. Like they, when they started making their nukes, yeah, their whole goal was to launch them in the upper atmosphere and cause a climate shift, Jeez. so they could have more planting ground. Okay, and it would ruin the rest of the world. And they were going to do it until they fell, until the Soviet Union fell. Jeez. They were literally going to launch these nukes up in the upper atmosphere. To they, ruin the world except their place? To make their place more habitable. Right, yeah. To make the, the Siberian tundra plantable. Yeah. Yeah, because ain't nobody up there right now. Mammoths. Six people. Yeah, six people. That's about it. And mammoths. Well, yeah. I mean, no bodies and people. Human oh, beings. Oh, mammoths are smart. They're like people. Yeah, they're the... Yeah, sure. All right. Yeah, whatever. Uh, but no, I think literally that this, I really do. I really do think that the nukes drops just mainly from Tom or Tomamoto's description, description. Yeah. That whatever happens, like all this stuff afterwards is connected that now like it's just, and then the other thing, like all these nuclear bases, like a uh, point pleasant had what we think is a nuclear base underneath it or one of these. Yeah. And it, all these monsters start and popping up. I was going to say something about them too. What if, uh, you know, all those, bunkers they had that supposedly just they stored the tnt into mm-hmm. what if those that's not what those are for and what if they were using those to contain like you know a little sm- tiny demon core like things and that just that structure contained it all so they can experiment and now they got multiple of them all over the place doing whatever they want to do whatever lab is underneath there it's just it always just struck me odd as like those bunkers being Oh, there's there's just storage facilities for our for our explosive guys. That's all it is. But they're pretty uniquely built and precisely we, built. Well, yeah, we talked about though why they are precisely built. Well, yeah, to absorb that. The point down, right? And point it straight, point straight up, point it down. Mm-hmm. But it's just odd to me. There's oh, something it's, it's there. It's all odd. It's all very odd. What What are your thoughts? Do you think this did it? I well, yeah. I mean, this is the biggest release of energy we probably produced in modern times besides the czar bomb what's the i don't know that for sure the russians it's the biggest nuke that's ever been recorded mm, okay they detonated okay I, I, and besides that launching that what manhole cover up into that, space that was underground i think that's number three okay All that's right. only number three that's seven miles underground but either way it's a high energy explosion and now we just keep doing it they yeah. keep they kept launching nukes forever like testing out in the desert testing in these deep holes testing in the ocean testing but we, maybe they're doing – maybe it's for it, other reasons. I think it ripped – I think it started to rip apart the veil, whatever you want to call the veil. Whether – I fully believe it's the Earth's electromagnetic field is acting as the veil. Yeah. And that it's this bubble. It's literally a bubble. And that's why it, these, these weirdness zones appear as bubbles. 
literally all these people that talk about time slips. Yeah. They end up they get, like, I was in a bubble. I'm in a bubble. Yeah. It's because I think it's bubbling. Like it's, he described it. Bubbling. Tibbetts described it as hot bubbling tar is what the surface of Hiroshima looked like. So crazy. But that also, it might have actually been, not all the roads were probably boiling actively. No, he's talking like the town, like the city itself. Oh, gotcha. Looked gotcha. like hot bubbling tar. Yeah. It was black and smoldering and had bubbles in it. I literally think it started to rip into like the veil. It started to, and then these monsters, the missing war one, the government's use of this. Yeah. I really don't think the government knew anything about these doors probably until this happened. Hmm. And then like everybody was like, huh, is that pterodactyl? And what if, <laughs> what if too, like leading up to it, you know, they were in contact with these demonic entities and they were giving them the information to construct these things to allow them to drop them so they could allow you know maybe their more physical forms or other their friends and their other counterparts to enter their way into this world to affect it to the conditions we kind of see today i don't know i don't know in it i don't know if it's purposeful or kind of like just let them on or or if it's that or yeah and these in, like these aliens and stuff like that talking about nukes and these aliens interested in nukes if you want to believe, and I would believe this over true alien, extraterrestrial aliens that they're inter- like they're they live on the other side of the Earth's observable field. Yeah, and that we have started affecting them. Yeah, that's the only reason they started contact with us. Yeah, is because they're like hey, enough of this because you're affecting us. And the alien abductions in the fifties talked about that. Hmm. Okay. That hey, you're affecting us. You're starting to mess with us. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We have accounts. Yep, I remember we're talking of about accounts. that. We have yep. tons of accounts of these extraterrestrial beings being like, hey. You're screwing with us. Wasn't uh, the one dude, uh, Valiant Thor, wasn't he one of them? Uh, yeah, but I don't... If you believe that. I don't believe in Valiant Thor. I oh, know gotcha. he was a thing. I just yeah. don't... I don't think he was anything. It like, might just be false, just a story made up. I think it was something. a blue guy. I think he was a guy that painted himself blue and walked to the White House. A blue guy? Wasn't Valiant Thor blue? No, he was just looked like a normal, handsome I, dude, but I he had I, six fingers. I think he was blue, too. I don't think he's blue. I think he was an inbred from Kentucky. <laughs> that they dressed up and told no, because they they always described him as being like handsome and a big square chiseled jaw and yeah. like like he just looked like a really he had handsome extra dude. bones in his face. Yeah, <laughs> not like from his dad, brother, cousin. Oh my gosh! Yeah, oh yeah, and then his spaceship there on like Lake Tahoe or something. See, that was like the Beverly Hillbillies wagon, and they just didn't know what they were looking at. Oh okay, yeah. <laughs> Oh, either part way, organic part not. Either way, what if he, you know he might have been if he if he was real part of a result from this? I don't know. So if you want to believe these alien abductions, and there's like, oh no, we're from Zebra Tiguli, we're from this system. Yeah. yeah, they're probably lying to us because 100%. they're like, no, we're like your neighbors. Yeah, we don't want you to know where we live. They're literally because we don't here. want you to come. You know, we don't want you to mess with us. Yeah, we're trying to stop you from killing us too. Right. Yeah. If you want to wipe your guys' self off with disease, go right ahead. Don't kill us with your nukes. Or they're creating disease to wipe us out. <laughs> I think they would have already done it. Yeah. Well, maybe there's a there's you know the galactic law. You can't. You well, can't. It, I'm not saying they're from space. I'm saying they're, they're living. Interdimensional in, law. I don't even think it's hard to explain. There's a difference between interdimensional and observable light frequencies and living on the other side of like the same plane. Oh, I gotcha, I gotcha. But I, it seemed different. You're. It's basically the Kinda, same thing. But it's, it there's is. different rules. I understand. Yeah, I understand. But I mean. Yeah, and maybe just how it works. Dimensions work. Who know? I don't know. I don't know. But it's it's crazy. It's crazy, crazy and stuff. I do but think that maybe I think missing four one's a big hodgepodge of things that's actually happening. I don't think there's one. Yeah, I think somebody's getting grabbed by Bigfoot every once in a great while out like out in Alaska. 
like portals are opening up. I think portals are opening up. I think Dogman's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Or just in, in, or even like abductions, like abductions. I think people out in the woods actually abducting the kid, literal people. devil. Yeah, or that too. Like, yeah, uh, Appalachian Intelligence had an episode where they talked about the, the little girl eating blueberries, and like the literal devil came up and started asking for her blueberries. Yeah, I remember. Oh, are we talked. I think we talked we'll about talk that off about air. That. Yeah. Off air. Yeah. yeah, it's just. I, and I think like all these, and then West Virginia. Why is West Virginia so special? Right. It's a hot spot for all this stuff. Because that's where they were mining some of the rare earth minerals that are co-occurring with coal. Okay. Such as plutonium. Kind of say that a little. I couldn't quite hear you. Oh, gosh. No, it's because that's where they were harvesting other extremely rare earth elements, maybe like plutonium, that co-occurs with coal. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Because, yeah, plutonium and radium and all that stuff. Kind of co-occurs with some coal veins. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I mean, how so? Why would Appalachia have a lot of weird monsters? It's because that's where we're doing some of the early experiments with the stuff that lives in the mountains. Right, and then why do experiments there? We could do it anywhere in the like. Why in Appalachia, like West Virginia, of all places? Because it's poor, and the poor people can't complain. Well, I was just say it's it's maybe it's, rich people. Maybe scream it's that, louder. but also the uh, like the the minerals and stuff they need are right there. Oh yeah, it's, it's just right next. I, mine all that plutonium there, and then literally, and then. If you're digging this big hole, put a base on top of it, do your experiments in the big hole you're digging in. Right, yeah. And no one's going to mess with you. Yeah. Because they haven't. I don't know. I think it's all connected. I really think. And then the Oppenheimer movie just came out and stuff like that. Yeah. I'll have to watch. Maybe I'll have to watch. I don't know. Yeah, I've heard mixed things about it. Hmm. I haven't heard anything. Uh, The story of Oppenheimer is very interesting. Hmm. I do know he cheated on his best friend with his best friend's wife. He treated, he, or he cheated on his he, wife. He, you know, he cheated. Well, he cheated on his wife too. He cheated on his best friend with his best friend's wife. Like he slept with his best friend's wife. Oh, gotcha. In okay. his bed, in his best friend's bed. Nice. Yeah. Nice. He did Good some man. bad things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Any other final thoughts? Um, I'm with you on this. I think I think the nuclear explosions definitely opened the veil or weakened the veil, opened the door. I think it ripped. I think it ripped holes. Yeah. And I, now the the. And the electromagnetic sphere is still just trying to come back. Yeah, it's still like because I am I, I we talk about it and you know like we talked about on our cryptids and coffee show the other week uh, about you guys like making making memes about me and like they made common stuff about you know the Earth in space not real and stuff. But oh. I really don't. I mean, I'm not settled on anything about what the Earth is, where we are. I just be, I do believe though this is a plane of existence and there's other. Planes all around us and, and above us. And automobiles. And auto- yeah, all of that, yeah. All around us, and I think, you know, high-energy releases affects all that stuff. And, but this place is special, and that's why things want to be here. So value your time here. That's all I got for you guys. I've been the great and powerful mystery. And I've been the infamous nuclear-powered Jay. Remember, if you guys want to hang out with us on Patreon, get on that, our five and ten tier. I think we're doing this week, this month is movie watch, and I think it may be even be our documentary we're going to watch. Hmm. And then the other, the game night thing is uh, how to decalcify your pineal gland. That'll be fun. It's going to be a ball. All right, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Crips of the Corn podcast. Please share with a friend you think would like us. It's the best way to help our show grow. Leave a comment, rate us, a five-star review. And remember, there is always extra content on Patreon slash Crips of the Corn.com. And don't forget, stay magical.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited-edition, ultra-low net-carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.